so many different thoughts about today. Lord, what do we need to hear for such a time as this? Is it this? Is it this? Is it this? Went to bed thinking one thing. Woke up in the middle of the night. Something else. And this I know, that God's Word is always true. We could take this book, open it up to any portion, and read it, and, and we're going to get something from it. Amen? And I don't stand before you because I've got it all figured out. And I'm perfect. I'm not by any, by any means. But I'm here to remind you of what this says. And, and in all reality, that's, that's all I'm here to do. I can't give you a new revelation. This is the revelation I have. And so we speak the truth as, as best we can by the power of the Spirit and the truth of God's Word to remind us. And, and, I, and I always think of what Paul said to both Timothy and Titus, remind them of these things. Remind them. And so, today, can, can we put everything aside so that we could focus on the cross? That we could focus on the Lord's Supper, the table this morning? And look to the Lord? Kenny reminds me often of the verse... My sins were as scarlet, but He has washed them white as snow. We, there, there was a lyric. We stood neath a debt we could never afford. We, we couldn't pay it. And, and nothing could wash away the stain of sin except the crimson blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fountain, I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So, so today we're, 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 we're going to do like we usually do every second Sunday. Well, what better thing can we do than to remember Christ and Him crucified and, and the, the payment for sin that He has made? What better thing to always come back to and just say, Lord, Make me understand it. Help me to know it. We didn't sing that, that old hymn uh, this morning. Do I have that old make me understand it? Maybe we just do the first verse of it. That, that, we, that we 
We could pray a prayer something like this. As we consider the cross, as we consider Christ and, and, and of communion today, Give me a sight, O Savior, of Thy wondrous love to me, of the love that brought Thee down to earth to die on Calvary. Oh, make me understand it. Help me to take it in. What it meant to Thee, the Holy One. To bear away my sin. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Lord, help me understand it. Help me understand it. Uh, let's go to 1 Corinthians 11th chapter. I doubt there's been a communion sermon I have preached ever that we didn't include 1 Corinthians 11th chapter 23 through 26. And within this, the Apostle Paul gives us the words of Jesus, do this in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he, be, he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Let's pray once again. So, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for your word. We give you thanks for your Son, we give you thanks for the cross. We give you thanks for forgiveness. We give you thanks for your power to save and for your power to keep us. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. So today, I, I know throughout the years, many of these thoughts we, we've talked about before, but ah, oh, is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is, it is, it is. So let us today remember the Lord's Supper as an act of remembrance, an act of communion, and an act of hope. And uh, one writer put it this way, do this in remembrance of me. And I'm not sure, I, I think I took a lot of these notes from Piper. It seems like I remember reading or hearing one of his sermons, and perhaps this is for him. I'm not sure I didn't put the reference here. But it says, so we remember what happened long ago, Jesus died. But the bread and the juice are not here just to help you remember an event in the past, but they are here to remind you that God's promise is really true because Christ's death as payment for your sins is as real as the cup you drink and the bread you eat. See, there's the reality of it. You see, as surely as you can drink from the cup and taste the bread, surely Christ has died for our sins, and we have forgiveness through the blood of Christ. So they're to remind us of the reality of Christ's sacrifice, of His obedience to God the Father in coming, that He may bring many sons and daughters 
to him, to the Lord. Uh, I want to read, and I know I've done this before, but a couple passages or excerpts from the Heidelberg Catechism. And this was written in uh, 1563. I know I've read somewhere maybe a couple of months ago from uh, the Westminster Confession of Faith. And, and any time I read from either the Heidelberg Catechism or the Westminster Confession of Faith, those are just help helps. It's not the Word of God, and but they both reference the Word of God. Uh, they were there, uh, the, the Reformed Church, it was a way that they could teach the doctrines of the Bible by having a series of questions and then give biblical answers. And so I want to read a couple of those questions. and uh, uh, Communion, I don't know if this was the first question dealing with communion. It was question 75 in the Heidelberg Catechism. And it asked this question, How does the Holy Supper remind and assure you that you share in Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and all His benefits? And the answer, in this way, they give an answer and then they give Scripture references. In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat this broken bread and to drink this cup in remembrance of Him. With this command come these promises. First, as surely as I can see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup shared with me, so surely His body was offered and broken for me and His blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I can receive from the hand of the one who serves and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord given me as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely he nourishes and refreshes my soul for eternal life with his crucified body and poured out blood. And uh, they gave several references. I just want to read one in Luke 22, verses 19 and 20. And he and Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Let me read another question. What does it mean to eat the bread and drink the cup of communion, the crucified body of Christ, and to drink his poured out blood? Answer, it means to accept with a believing heart the entire suffering and death of Christ and thereby to receive forgiveness of sins and eternal life. But it means more. Through the Holy Spirit who lives both in Christ and in us, we're united more and more to Christ's blessed body. And so although He is in heaven and we are on earth, we are flesh of His flesh and bone of His bone. And we forever live on and are governed by one spirit as the members of our body are by one soul. See, we have been made joint heirs with Jesus Christ if we are born again. And let, let me read several of the references. They gave John six thirty-five. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Go a little bit further, verse 40, John 6, verse 40. 
And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. Huh. Everyone who sees the Son. See, we were once all in darkness, but then light shone in a dark place. And everyone who sees the Son, and that can truly only happen when light shines in darkness. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him may have everlasting life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. In 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Or by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one Spirit. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4. If then... You were raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. 1 Corinthians 6, verses 15 through 17. 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 17. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Ephesians 5, verses 29 and 30. For no one ever hated his own flesh but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church, for we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. 1 John 4, verse 13. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. 1 John 3, verse 24. Now he who keeps His commandments abides in Him, and He in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. Let me read one more. Uh, question is, who should come to the Lord's table? Who should come to the Lord's table? <laughs> listen, listen, answer. Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ, and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith. That's good, isn't it? Those who are displeased with themselves because of their sin, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned. Say, so We still have weakness, don't we? We're still not perfected, but we are being made more and more into the likeness of Christ. You see, that, that I think that kind of puts it, I don't feel worthy to come to that table. I don't. But I don't have to feel worthy because I know He is worthy. You see, I know I am fallible. I know I'm weak. I am prone to wonder. I know that. But I know that He is faithful. 
that he is faithful. Who should come to the table, those, those who are displeased with themselves because of their sins, but who nevertheless trust that their sins are pardoned and that their remaining weakness is covered by the suffering and death of Christ and who also desire more and more to strengthen their faith. Now let, listen to this last line of that. Here's, here's the last part of it. I didn't read all of it. Here's the last part of it. Hypocrites and those who are unrepentant, however, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And, and that's when, when we read from Paul coming in an unworthy manner. You know, the unworthy manner is unrepentant. So may the Lord's Supper, when we partake, not only remind us of what Christ has done for us in the past, but also to remind us of who He is for us today. Today. Remembrance. Remembrance. Communion. What does it mean to have communion with Christ? First uh, Corinthians 10.16 1 Corinthians 10, 16, The cup of blessings which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? And then I've got it one more time in the ESV version right under that, Donovan. The cup of blessings that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ. See, that, that word translated as communion or, or precipitate, participation is a Greek word that many of us are familiar with. We have the Wiltburgers with us today. That word is koinonia. Uh, communion, participation. If you read that in the Greek, there where it has participation, and in the other where it said communion would be the Greek word koinonia. And that means... Literally, to have fellowship, to have participation. Again, I've got a quote here. I'm, again, I'm not sure where this came from, but I thought it was good. You see, there is something more going on when we come to this table than just a mental exercise of remembering something that happened some 2,000 years ago. But rather, Paul says, child of God, you are entering into the story. When you take the bread and you take the cup, you are participating. You're having fellowship. You're having communion with Christ. That we would have a real sense of the presence of Christ when we come to the table. Not a real physical presence, as some would believe, but in the reality of a true spiritual presence. Joining us together in one spirit, bringing us up to Christ, having been seated in the heavenly places. I thought that was good. To have communion. The Puritan Richard Baxter said this, Nowhere is God so near to man as in Jesus Christ, and nowhere is Christ so familiarly represented to us, so near to us, as in this holy sacrament. So when we partake of the bread and the juice, you know, to, to not just think of, of what Christ did for me a long time ago, for which I am very thankful, but to also remember that Christ is 
with me here now. And we talked about it earlier. He, he will never leave us nor forsake us. The Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. He is always with us. And that we can have koinonia. That we can have participation. That we can have communion with Christ. Fellowship with Him. He's not absent. He is near. Remembrance. Communion. And I said hope. See, when we participate in communion, what does what it say? And I'll, I will proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. It's like we're making a testimony of our belief in Christ. I believe that He died, that He rose again, that He, that he paid the penalty of sin for me because I have believed in Jesus Christ. And I believe that He is coming back. I believe that this is not it. This is not the finale, finale of it all. But if, if, if I could say this, that you know, we call this the Lord's Supper, but this is not the final supper. There's a greater supper coming someday. I, I was, to me, I, I like thinking about it that way, that this is nothing, well, I don't want to say nothing more than, because this has great significance, but this is, like the appetizer, if I could say it that way, if that's okay for me to say that, because the great supper is coming one day, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we get a brief picture of that from Revelation 19. This is where Christ and His bride have fellowship, they have koinonia forever. In Revelation 19, verses 6 and 7, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia! For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. Who's the wife? Who's the bride? The church. The true church, the born-again believers, those who have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb. Verse 9, if we in Revelation 19, verse 9 says, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. Because if you are born again, one day the Lord called you, didn't he? One day He called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. And in reality, what He did, is He has called you to the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's the hope that we have. So we, we come to this table with, with an expectation and a hope that because of Christ, because He died and He rose again, we too shall rise again and be with Him. So we have hope. So we have hope. Let me read from Revelation, Revelation 5, verses 9 through 13. This is where they praised the Lamb that was slain. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and have redeemed us to God by your blood, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. 
Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures, then the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing and every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them. I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. As a child of God, may we come to the table giving praise to the Lamb. Praise to the Lamb that was slain for our sins. 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. Talking about the blood of the Lamb, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver, or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and spot. So we have been redeemed. We have been purchased with the precious blood of Christ. And I, I know I read um, Psalms 107, the first two verses often, but I love particularly that second verse. Psalms 107 Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. So may we come to the table giving thanks for having been redeemed. For having been redeemed. See, the, the, the Lord's table, this, the communion supper is for the redeemed. For those born again, those born of the Spirit, those who by faith have believed unto salvation. There's a question again, isn't it? Do you believe? Are you redeemed? Have you confessed Jesus Christ as Lord? Or are you nothing more than a hypocrite? It was mentioned early in that catechism. Do you truly believe? Have your sins been forgiven? Has your sins that once were scarlet been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb? Do you believe? John 3, verses 14 through 16. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. That whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 10, verses 9-13 through 13, That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the Scripture says, whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved shall be saved from the wrath of God that will one day fall upon all unbelievers. 
shall be saved so that you might enter into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Because there's vast difference between sitting at the table with the Lord and everlasting destruction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do give you thanks for your word. Your word that tells us about your Son. Your word that tells us about the plan of salvation by which we might be restored to fellowship with you again. For all who believe, our sins which had separated us from you can be washed clean. So Father, we we give you thanks. Thanks for the cross. Thanks for the plan of salvation. Thanks for redemption that is found through the blood of Christ. Give thanks for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thanks for calling us to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So Lord, as we prepare to partake of the bread and the juice this morning, just, just remind us of what Christ has done so that we might remember and do this in remembrance of Him. Lord, help us that we could, as, as we consider all of this, that we can be in true communion and fellowship with Christ. That all other things fall to the wayside for, for this moment that we could focus on Christ and our participation, our communion, our koinonia with Him. And Lord, let, us, let it also be a reminder of the blessed hope that we have because of Christ, Him dying on a cross and Him rising again. Because of the inheritance that has been laid up for all who believe. Lord, in, the, in a world where sometimes it seems that there is no hope, all remind us that we have a blessed hope through Christ. So Lord, may we honor the sacrifice of Christ in remembrance. It's in His name I pray. Amen.